Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. And this is episode 423, um, live action Avatar in Dune, or why we can't have nice things. Uh, uh. Why do um, hacks feel the need to destroy everything? That's the subtitle. No, no. It's why do they... I've, I didn't finish typing that. It's why do they feel the need oh. to destroy everything I love? Oh, well, I honestly, I would cut out that last part because there's a lot of stuff I don't love that they've destroyed too. I guess so. that's true. Let's just take that out. So why do hacks feel the need to destroy everything? Uh, all right. So uh, just... Before we do our, our witty banter and repartee with each other, this episode will contain massive spoilers for At Lab Live Action and Dune Part 2. You've been warned. Where's the chicken at? The chicken. Yeah. I like when you said that, Part 2. I part had to think oh. hot shot. Yeah, Part 2. Uh, so, so if you don't want spoilers and you keep listening... Oh. How dare you? There we go. <laughs> anyway. I was like, okay, applause. <laughs> yeah, no, I forgot which one was Greta. Because um, I haven't used Greta in months. Yeah. I need to change that one up. We need to find something new. We need to sound, yeah, I was about to say we need the, to. The soundboard needs a refresh. If you guys can think yeah. of some like cool, like little, like, like how dare you type thing, um, just, just like hit us on my Instagram with a DM and uh, I'll find it and I'll, I'll, I've got four. I've got an A, B, C, and D on the little soundboard here, and uh, I, I'm prepared to replace all four of them. If you, if you, if anyone wants to make a suggestion, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Daryl, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Uh, it's Saturday. It's yeah, rainy. Yeah, or cloudy. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm I'm doing okay. Like I hit the gym already. I've got a Frank the Tank like afternoon. You know, gonna hit up um, the hardware store and get a big piece of acacia wood to make a table. Um, you know, gotta go to Target. Just like old man stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I gotta um, get my I'll get uh, my workout in later. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and find some jorts and some white New Balance shoes and tuck a golf shirt into them. <laughs> Maybe wear a visor. Walk around, tell everybody clear clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Just as I just randomly. Like <laughs> So did you hear they're gonna change um Clark's uh uniform, like the Superman suit? It's gonna have white I, new balances now and a tucked in golf shirt with the cape. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm kidding. Um Oh, yeah, real quick. So Superman and Lois Coming back for its fourth season. We're not quite sure when yet um, because the CW is not quite sure when yet. But uh, it got canceled because of James Gunn. Uh, this always happens, yes. Because they're like, we, with the... we, can't have, we can't have competing Supermans. Well, that was a reason a lot of the Arrowverse, you know, well, that and then the quality also dipped. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> Massively. But that was one of the things back in, you know, years ago uh, that was out there where they didn't want the DCU to be confused with the Arrowverse. It's, right. It, but, and again, this goes to, and we will talk about this some today, but we've talked about it before with adaptations and 
I know I'm saying adaptations, but how not even adaptations, but how screenwriters, writers, producers, directors think the audience is stupid. Right. They don't trust the audience. So you're saying that I can't differentiate between what's on TV and that's totally different than what's in the movie theater. That's right. that's kind of what it is. So again, it if they're not going to give it the support it deserves, I I want the show gone because right. I don't want it to look like become what the flash became right. or what arrow became when it just like both of those started off well and they just went downhill. Right. Right. Agreed a hundred percent. I mean, I stopped watching all of those shows. I didn't watch a single series finale of any of them. Oh, I, I watched the end of arrow. I stopped watching the flash around season five, maybe. Yeah. Or, Something I like I that. stopped watching the Flash mid season of the Katie Sackoff season. So, oh, good grief! When, when she was uh, Amulet Black, yeah. Amulet Black, or yeah. something. something. Yeah. Oh, God. that was right around. I think I only lasted a few a few more months than you did, but yeah. that so. was around the time where I started. Yeah. It felt it, it was a chore to watch it because that was the was one with the uh, the thinker as well, and it's like the thinker was actually cool, but they wasted too much time with um, Katie yes. Sackhoff. Um, yeah. But anyway, all right. Um, so, do you want to just hop right in? Yeah, to let's Avatar. Do it. All right, pull the paint, pull the bandaid off. Uh, we're, no, we're pulling the pin on this motherfucker. <laughs> all right, so. Just a warning again, spoilers, and I'm fired up this week. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, pretty much like Monday to Thursday, all I did was bitch about Avatar. <laughs> and since Thursday, all I've done is bitch about Dune. So <laughs> uh, all right. So let's do this real quick. Um, out of 10, this really is the story of the Ember Island players. What do you give season one of Avatar The Last Airbender live action on Netflix? Uh, I give it a four and a half out of ten. It was, it had some good things that we'll talk about, and it had some very bad things that we'll talk about, and it had some meh things. But yeah, as you can tell by my rating, the meh and bad things outweigh the good for me. So I went four even. Actually, I've just gone straight even numbers. I'm not doing the, like, for none of this I did I do, like, decimals, which is fine. But uh, I went with a straight four. I agree with you. Um, the things it did that I thought it did well, it did really well. Um, the things it did bad mostly revolve around writing and acting. Um, yes. <laughs> mainly. So. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, yeah. So, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> so uh, in the summary, I updated the summary from, cause, uh, I, I used you know, AI to help me write the show notes this week for the first time because I've been meaning to do it and I had time. Uh, so the summary is in the live ad, ad a live action adaptation of avatar, the last airbender on Netflix, Ang, a young airbender who's been frozen in an iceberg for a hundred years awakens to find the world ravaged by the fire nation. Well, that's wrong because he already knew the world was ravaged by the Fire Nation, right? He wasn't like yes. super innocent this time around as like in the cartoon. Okay. Right. I'll continue. As the Avatar, the only individual capable of mastering all four elements, water, earth, fire, air, 
<laughs> Aang embarks on a journey to restore balance to the world. He joins forces with siblings Katara, a waterbender, and Sokka, a talented Southern Water Tribe warrior, and together they face challenges and adventures as Aang trains to hone his bending abilities and fulfill his destiny. Again, that's a lie, because at the he end of this not. series, he only knows yeah. airbending. All right. Yeah. This now they call this a remake, and uh and and they said nicer things with this last sentence. So I rewrote this one. This remix oh. of a beloved anime. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> this remix of a beloved animated series bastardizes the core elements of the original story while presenting it through a live action lens. <laughs> I was like, they did not say that. What? <laughs> uh, no, oh, the like remix. The... Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. So real quick. Um, I texted you after I got out of Dune pretty much immediately, and we'll get to that text later. But in the vein of this text, that text, fuck you, Albert Kim. Oh, I, I, it took me a second to say, Albert Kim, who's that? Okay. Yeah. Albert, he's Albert Kim, showrunner. he's the activist showrunner um, for this. And, you know, it, it's funny because as you look at, like, what was written and all of this stuff, the two episodes that people really, really talked about liking, right, were episode one and episode six. Um, and so episode one was still mostly written by Mike and Brian, right, the, the creators. Episode six is credited to Katie Lovejoy. But if you dig a le little bit deeper, this was also one of the scripts that they carried over from Mike and Brian. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know this, like they made a bunch of changes to things. They changed the, uh, the origin of earthbending. Uh, my opinion on this is if you're going to adapt or remix or, or retell something, either go all in on making it different, like Battlestar Galactica did. Mm -hmm. Or try and stay closer to it like Harry Potter did. Okay. So this is a that's a perfect thing you brought up with Battlestar Galactica. Because Battlestar Galactica, the original, as much as yeah, I from what I remember about the original, yes, it was a you know uh, there was a lighter tone in Battlestar Galactica. Yes. And then they went full on super not super pretty dark in the 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 re remake which was great is I, there again, a don't get me wrong dark version of super saiyan uh like that's what they did they went like super dark they really did go super yes. dark with the yeah but it was a reimagining and they were but, they were that's well, what they said from the beginning yes. and and that's my point that was fine what they do with Avatar is they try to have their cake and eat it too. Mm -hmm. They change the tone, which again, I didn't like mm -hmm. at all. So I will admit, I did not like the tone where they tried to have with this one. But then they tried to throw fan service in there for the people that love the the original show. I right. almost said anime. The original <laughs> show. We've been over this, Daryl. <laughs> we have been. I think we dedicated an entire episode to it, if I do recall we, we, correctly. We've, we've had this discussion and I, I do I need to pull the article back up? I, I have a bookmark. No, because because I will gladly go through technically, it again. Technically, you are correct. No, technically, no. it's I a am, technicality. No, anyway, I am. It's not a technicality. Point. No, I'm 100 percent correct. 
No, it's it's because it's technically. No. It's correct no because technical. it's not made in Japan. Yeah, it, no, it is because it's not made in Japan. Right. It was made in Korea. It's, it's well, it doesn't. That's actually something else which I didn't even. So I actually am reading a book. Uh, all right, all right, solo all right. leveling. Never mind. But, but anyway, I didn't even know there was a. Anyway, there. That's something for something for a different story, which it blew my mind actually. Cool. But the point is. I didn't. I will admit, I did not like the tone of Avatar. No. This one, the Netflix version. But then sp- putting in all this stuff to say, "Hey, we're honoring the original." If you're going to change the tone like that, there's so many things that mm-hmm. they put, they kept in there. Just it, it becomes uneven. Right. And that was a big part of it: the tone, the unevenness of the character development, the story itself, the writing and the dialogue, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. And again, some of it is the acting too, because there are some actors that I really loved in this show, and then there are some that, to be nice, they need a little bit of work. I'll just put it that way. So, I'll agree with ninety nine percent of what you said. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I think when it comes to taking this so like now to be fair i've only watched the first episode of one one piece right um mm-hmm. the live action and i've never read or watched any anything yes. else by it right so like i can understand how a normie who's never seen the cartoon jen <clears throat> oh, comes in and it's like oh it wasn't that bad right mm-hmm. but at the, at the same time the just gross cynicism that is in this show from every character and then taking some of these characters, like just core value systems and and neutering them or changing them. And then nothing in this show is earned. Everything is given. And that wasn't the point of like Ang traveling around the world to be given advice or told what to do. He was traveling the world because he still had no idea. Like, in a lot of ways, he did not believe, even after he saw what happened at the Northern Air Temple, um, or not the Northern, whichever temple he's from, um, what happened with Yatsu and everything, it's uh, it's not, like, he's, he's not like, oh, the Fire Nation needs to die. He's like, hold on. Like, everybody when I was alive got along. Like... Mm-hmm. I had friends everywhere. There was all like none of these nations were siloed. We were all just like one people, um, you know. And, and we shared our, our our rich culture and history, and had had this you know you know national pride for each of our areas. But at the same time, we were we were more than happy to like share and and, and interact and things like that. Um, and in losing that like. Part of Aang was was bad. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about the reasons not to watch this show, and like I, I feel like we were spot on with all of them. Uh, Sokka was the biggest disappointment as far as the character motivations, like taking out like him being kind of an asshole, but then also giving him this tremendous self doubt because he overheard his dad say he was never going to be a warrior and a leader, like. Again, like there was no joy in Sokka in learning new things, in like finding things. And then what we were talking about before we started, like they 
there's just no reason that Katara should have been a prod- prodigal waterbender. No. Like, she picked everything up immediately. And, and this was the problem, right? Aang learned waterbending by helping to teach Katara how to just bend in general. Yes. And, you know, because, like you had said the other day when we were on the phone, water and air are so similar in in, in the way that the the motions work and the, and the bending works and, and you know, the, even the martial art that the, the things are, are based off of. Um, it, it was natural and was a natural waterbender. Um, but I, I, I still think like they cut out so many important, they, they, they added stuff with the fire nation attacking and seeing that battle and watching them all evaporate onto the top of the mountain, essentially, um, was stupid and, and it didn't need to be there. And instead, they cut out the pirates where Katara, for the first time in her life, acts like water and steals a scroll. Mm-hmm. Right? And that, that's, yeah. that's the key where Katara stops being annoying and starts like becoming Katara, who at the end of the series is this very capable, very powerful partner to the Avatar. Yeah. And like... They they didn't do any of that. They aged Ang down so much, and like you know, Gordon Cormier, Cormier, however you say it. Yeah. Um, I kept wondering, is this a boy or a girl? Like, this is why I make the joke, like about the Ember Island players, because like Ang definitely like ambiguous there. The kid that plays Sokka, Ian Owsley, like looks exactly like what the Ember Island version. Of Sokka looks like he's got the big oversized <laughs> jaw. He's like a little slack jaw. Um, you know, Katara was like, "Oh, I'm such a victim. Oh, I'm going to pass out now." You know, like they were doing in the show. Uh, I know you liked Dallas Liu as Zuko. Um, that's the one person that I disagree with. Why? I think for two reasons. One, I. He got the angry part really good, but he didn't get the other nuanced part of Zuko um, understanding that he had, like, what he has in Iroh is the father figure he wants to have. Um, And I think the most disgusting change to any character was Zuko when they showed, again, something that did not need to be shown the Agni Kai between him and Ozai, because. He would not fight Ozai. He would not fight his father. And again, mm-hmm. part of that was because he knew he couldn't win. Part of it was because he didn't want to attack his dad. But Zuko was not a natural bender. And they have him doing these advanced bending moves. And Iroh mm-hmm. is constantly teaching him, like just like Qui-Gon did with Obi-Wan, like you have to know the fundamentals. When you mm-hmm. are fundamentally perfect, you're unbeatable. Because no matter how fancy someone gets – how you know flourishing they get if you stick to the fundamentals and you do what you're supposed to do you will win almost every time yeah um and so hold on wait wait just one last thing is zuko did not fight ozai which is why ozai burned his face in this one zuko gets the best of ozai and then stops short and then ozai burns him yeah so i will agree and disagree i i thought i i actually do think believe that Zuko 
Saul and Ozai, the father figure. I, I think, for, I think, and again, this is where the writing mm. messed it up. Yeah. In the sense of they bring that up where he's like, he sent, he says, uh, was it Lutin? Was that Ozai or yeah. I, Iroh? I'm Iroh, sorry, Iroh. Yeah, yeah Lutin yeah. is his son. Where he, where he uses in that, that, mm. that, uh, he would be proud of you as, yeah. What? That, that, that was a dumb line. Yeah. But I, I do, and, and then it's going as far as the Agni kind. Again, this th- this show added a couple things that were very cool and very good to see if you didn't have context. Sure. Like the beginning when we, we this show starts with the Fire Nation's assault. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to see that in the beginning. If they would well, have the done show, that in Actually, little... the show starts with the guy from the Earth Kingdom trying to escape with the plans. Yes. Right. And then yeah. Azula is the first actual person that we see from the show. Which yeah. again, so we'll get to that. Yeah. So the whole attack on the air, you know, or the airbenders, if they would have spursed that out, you know, in like as far as in memories and stuff, instead mm-hmm. of seeing the whole thing, I thought the scene was well done. I, I no, I don't think it. The scene was actually very well done. However, it takes something away for us to see that the fir- one of the first things we see instead of having you know the start of Katara and Sokka finding Aang and then. Mm-hmm. filling in the pieces for Aang as the story goes along. Right. As far as the Agni Kai, I thought that was very well done. Except again, it, it, like it was what you unnecessary. Just said, it, it, well, it was unnecessary, but again, sometimes that's fine. Yeah. How but when it's unnecessary and it takes away from a character. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. you know, that's one of those things where I I, I had to think about it at yeah. first because when I'm watching it, I, I'm thinking it, it, it's very well done. Yeah. And, but it takes away from why Zuko Brian. gets burned. Yep. So. It, it takes away, it changes things yeah. and not in an, and not, and again, changes, not always bad. No, but I don't think it changes it for the better. Right. And so it muddles up who he is a little bit, yeah. even though I still think, again, I think Dallas Loop was did a very good job. I love him and Iroh were one of the constants, at least for me, yeah. as far as what I liked about the show. Uh, again, I like Sokka sometimes, but a lot of the times the writing took away from. Yeah, I will say what, like Sokka with um, Suki, right? That was mm-hmm. uh, that was the only two characters that showed like a tremendous amount of chem- chemistry together. And, well, what about Sokka and Yui? <laughs> I wasn't even going to mention Yui. That was a joke. I don't even way. know who she is. Yeah, that was bad. She was that horrible. part. Like she, dude. And again, it goes back to Yui was a dumbass in the con. Anyway, hold on. Okay, Uncle <laughs> Uncle Iroh is played by Paul Soon Young Lee, who um, I think he was in. What was that show? Oh, The Mandalorian. The Boater. No, he's in, no. I mean, he was in Kim's Convenience. Kim's Convenience. Yeah. That's what it was. So, uh, you know, because he's Korean, so you know he couldn't be in Fresh Off the Boat because they were, they were from. Um, now that Hong Russell Kong. Park that was in that. Yeah, uh, or Randall, Randall Park. Randall Park. Yeah, you mean Jim yeah, Halpert Park. or uh, um, John Krasinski? <laughs> that yes. is a great commercial. That is so great. That's awesome. That's um, great. Anyway, uh, Iroh was good. Like I, I thought Iroh was good. Um, they cut out some Iroh stuff. Like they brought in the the Luten stuff a little too early, in my opinion. Um, like we we needed to earn that as an audience more. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, 
the girl that played Azula, Elizabeth Yu, was the worst part of the show. Azula, Azula, Azula and Ozai should not have been seen in this show until the very closing scenes of the first season. Yeah. We should have just, like, if they want to, like, talk about them and everything, the beauty of Azula in the first, at the end of the first season, is we have no idea who she actually is until the opening of the second season. Mm-hmm. We just know that she's being sent to hunt Zuko. And, yeah. you know, the, the scene, talk about cringe. The scene at the end with her, with the warriors as they've taken Umashu, it was just like, that that girl has, I'm going to steal your word, that, uh, what's her what's her name? Uh, Elizabeth, you has zero gravitas. Zero. No. She like, doesn't. She's a, she's a charisma black hole. And that's the, again, the spot, whatever you said, everything you said about Ozai and her being in the show is correct. It's still, they still could have saved, it still could have been okay if they had an actress that, uh, like, uh, <coughs> excuse me, personified what mm-hmm. Azula was. There was nothing intimidating, nothing about her that spoke to me as Azula. Yeah. Like the second you see her, you know she's not to be messed with. You know she is one of those type of people. Uh-huh. None of that comes across. Yeah. Um, you know, you have Ty Lee and uh, May in there and like you know in a scene with azula and they're like cheering her on they're not terrified of her that was just weird you know Mm -hmm. um you know uh admiral zhao or commander zhao you know the moon slayer uh uh ken ken luing is probably not the right actor for that role um he wasn't no again he just doesn't have the like I don't know. I mean, I hated him in Lost. I hated him even more in Star Wars. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not necessarily a fan of the guy as an actor. But like, you know, Zhao was an interesting character in the uh, in the cartoon, and and he was he was pretty ruthless. Like, you know, and and this version of Zhao is is. Um, He's almost deplorable. Like I, I think the other Fire Nation people like really dis disliked him greatly. Like there was no one that would actually he would never have a first follower, you know. Let alone no. be in command of a anyone in this in this adaptation. Um, let's see. They took out the uh, the love story between Paku um, or Grand Paku, as Saka would call him, and Grand yeah, Grand. And- and, um, and grand grand that was stupid yep. uh they threw june in there for no reason uh, <laughs> there was literally no reason to have june in there uh boomy's characterization might be the worst thing that they did yes uh, and i did read an article when they said it just didn't fit with their that's what uh, albert tone said, which again albert kim is retarded yeah. so um, well, again, <laughs> it goes in back the head, to it, it goes back to what I said about not liking the tone and what yeah. you said, um, uh, or just uh, you know earlier about them just like not understanding the characters, yeah, and the cynical nature of everything that's a part of this that is this season. This, yeah. That 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 in and of itself, right there, because again. 
I, I will say there's good stuff in here. Yeah. The 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 bending is the and the battle, the fights well, we are generally like, yeah, very I was gonna well I was gonna close out on all the things we liked. Um okay. I, I just had like just a couple more things. Um Yeah, okay, yeah. The uh the battle at the end okay oh well hold on. The beginning with the with the firebenders when when they were attacking at no point did they talk about the firepower the firebenders were actually super op at that time because of Sozin's comet, right? And then like we 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 lose the whole comet thing. Um, we know it's not going to be the central like time timeline thing because they're going to do the opposite of Dune. Instead of taking three years, they took six months. And instead of taking a couple months, this is going to take years, it sounds like. Which, to me, yeah. the the people of this world are going to be like, whoa, hold on, the Avatar's back, and he hasn't like fixed this yet? Like, fuck that guy. You know? Yeah. They're going to revolt against him. Um, but yeah, okay, so real quick, Danny Pudi sucked, which shocked me. Just shocked me that Danny Pudi sucked. Um the girl that played UA is like the badass assassin from uh, um, Legion. She was probably the worst part of the show. Yeah, and um, she also played the she was Amber Myth. She played in she was the main character Naru in in Prey as oh, well. Oh, that's right, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then um, the guy that played King Boomy was the um, like the beatboxer, the Indian beatboxer guy from Pitch Perfect, who was like. Been in a couple movies and is actually like really quite not good and likable as an actor, and they gave him the worst possible material to, to work with. The worst I did possible. Not realize. Yeah, I yeah. didn't realize that. Was yeah, him. it was. Well, I mean, they did a great. It's because he didn't have a beard and he had a weird like tooth, and you know, he was like, "Hey, hello, Avatar. My name is Boomy. Do you remember me?" You know. <laughs> uh, all right, let's close out with the good stuff. Yeah, the bending looks phenomenal yeah all like all the bending fights uh like especially like the katara when she faces paku mm -hmm. uh katara versus um paku crap. um uh not oh, no, zuko? Uh, not him zuko yeah like you know some of the stuff because one of the things i was worried about and i was wondering before you know this as you know, we read about this show was how are the yeah you know, the fire bending is pretty simple or not mm -hmm. simple but you can you can see the visually how how you would do the fire bending right but I was worried about because they have a lot of shows and movies have had trouble with CG and water mm -hmm. I was uh, worried about that and then I thought okay how are you going to do the air bending to mm -hmm. make it so that we can see the kinetic nature of it and I thought they did a great job with all of them. To be honest, right. That was one of the things that I, I don't have any real real complaints about. I thought they did a very good job. The choreography was pretty, was for the most part, was very well done. The effects of the bending and just the effects in general, right. other than a couple places here or there, I thought they did a very good job. Yep. And it's and you know staying on the visuals, I I thought and I and we've both seen this online where people thought the opposite. I really like the costume designs for the for the most. I agree, and I saw. Generally speaking, I saw a lot of feedback online of people not liking the costume design, and I'm like, mm, I'm gonna disagree there. I think it's it's not too yeah. bad. Yeah, I think somebody so. said, well, for yeah, it makes sense for for cartoons for this people to wear the same thing, but for live action, it doesn't. I, I that's one of those things I just disagree with because again, yeah. you're talking about a world where you have bending. And 
you know, what better way to differentiate? And again, you look at cultures now. There, yes, you have different things, but you, if you backtrack few centuries people in, in in you know in in certain tribes wore very much the same thing or very similar things it's not like now where everybody wears something different it seems right, right so i that's where i i would absolutely disagree with people with that i the costume design was very well done for me i agree so um you know overall i kind of hope it doesn't get picked up for a second season <sighs> Yeah, I, I'm curious. Going to be curious to see the the numbers, even though with these streaming services, you can't. I don't know. If well, we can with really the trust new the new deal get. with the new deal from the writers, they have to be more. Um, oh yeah, that's yeah. Transparent with it, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm. It's one of those that if this was a show that I that didn't have that was its own thing, mm-hmm. it, meaning that this was a new material it i still would have issues with it because there were still some very i i you know instead of 4.5 if if i had never seen avatar or if there was no such thing as avatar the last airbender and this was an original work mm-hmm. i would probably give this a six yeah Be- but because there were still things that were from a narrative standpoint however with that said i probably would be more excited to say well this is season one we know about season ones and shows. Right. They generally, you know, it's you're trying to feel it out. You're trying to build the world. Right. So I'm curious to see, and I'm I would be cautiously optimistic about what they would do with season two. Right. But for the fact that I know Avatar, and I know that they are taking stuff and t- you know taking picking and choosing, and they have changed things, I'm not as not nearly as ex- optimistic. I. I kind of think they will get a second season. Might, yeah. What terrifies me is I, if they do a Korra live action, what they're going to do. Uh, Especially I, with okay, like, the can't. intersectional feminism. So it's like, just cancel it now. Let's just like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I will say this. Uh, each episode. Oh, oh, here we are. Let's, oh, I have all these production notes. We should talk about these real quick because we're talking about them. Okay. The positive cinematography, visual effects, the live action world is visually stunning and impressive. Uh, this one said casting choices. I think that cast like looked like they needed to look, but like everything, it seems like with the two things we're talking about, um, style is more important than substance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the negatives pacing and storytelling choices. Uh, they found the first season to be slow and felt the show condensed plot points from the original series, uh, hindering character development and impacting the overall story flow. We agree with that. Uh, mm-hmm. And the deviation from the source material, you know, like that, that huge thing. But each episode was $15 million. I didn't realize that. And, and like they Jeez. put every, every ounce of that $15 million to work. Yeah. So, yeah. I, again, I, I, I will not complain how this show looks. No. I, 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 I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah. And I, it's just again, if I didn't know what I knew, no, I would have enjoyed. Because I, I told you, one of my coworkers asked. I said, "Watch this first, mm-hmm. and then watch the animated, so you won't be colored by what you see in the animated, and because you'll you'll see the choices." And I again, I'm rewatching the first season right now. I'm I'm only like three or four episodes in, but even with that point, I'm just. <sighs> So, again, 
I, I just the th- and you one of the things you mentioned is about with One Piece, and I'll close out in my what I have to say about that. Yeah, I never watched One Piece. I never read it. Yeah, but same. I've seen enough of One Piece as far as clips here and there to know that the Netflix show did a very good job, not with just the design, but with the tone. The the again. I know they know people who have loved the show have issues with the characters and stuff, but the tone of One Piece that almost like freewheeling, silly, not silly, but lighthearted tone is what I've seen from what of the, the little I've seen of the anime or of the anime. I don't know about I'm assuming the manga is the same way. They yeah. kept that in a live action. Yeah. Avatar. That's my biggest problem. The overall was the tone and they felt like because they changed the tone from a more lighthearted to more somber and cynical they had to do the same thing with the characters and that affected a lot of what happens and that's that colors my perspective on it yeah is that tone i think to me number one is if they would have changed the tone or, or kept the original tone some of the choices they made that changed the characters would not have been made yeah. and we might have gotten something we liked a little bit more sure I agree. I'm, I have nothing else to add. You pretty much said for the both of us. All right. You ready? Yep. Uh, so June two part two. Uh, yeah. So when I texted Daryl, as I walked out of the movie theater, I just in all capitals <laughs> with like seven exclamation points, just texted him. Fuck Denny Villanueva. Vanilla Vu, whatever, however you say his name. Anyway, um, so we'll get into that. But, Daryl, out of 10, why did Lady Jessica go full supervillains? <laughs> what do you give the show? Uh, this is going to be a surprise. This is actually a surprise to me. I'm not going to lie. I gave it a 6.25 out of 10. I can't believe you gave it a 2.56 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dyslexic. Sorry, that's how I typed it. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, we're gonna get into this. Um, <laughs> I gave it a four. Um, and and my four breaks down like this: visuals, eight out of ten; story, zero out of ten. Yeah. Again, this is. Like so, do, how do you want to attack this? Do you want to attack this with the good first? No, I want to close with the good because I, I want to walk away like okay. feeling good about things. Um, <laughs> so, here's the problem. All right, is this made? This movie is made very specifically with a modern lens on it. Again, with the 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 fem- feminism like soy boy beta male view of of powerful women. And um, they're always at the the expense of someone else in in this new world of of filmmaking and storytelling, which has never been you know like Ripley was amazing. She didn't take anything away from anybody. Sarah Connor was amazing. She didn't take anything away from Kyle Reese. They made each other better. It's why Terminator is way better than Terminator Two. Um, you know, you look at like movies like um, Atomic Blonde. Not like Charlize Theron did not take her character took nothing away from the male characters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Peppermint with with Jennifer um, 
Garner, right? Or Ava, you know, it, it, it's like with, with Jessica Chastain. Like, these are all super strong female characters who are massively flawed, but like anti-hero, whatever hero, you know, reform villain, all in their own right for the most part. And it's just like, come on. Like, why? why? Like, I get Denny Villanueva who comes from a different culture. And like, he's got a really weird view of of like the Fremen as being oppressed. He's got a really weird view of of Paul and like Paul even after he fulfills the you know the quote prophecy and, and becomes the Mahdi and you know fully becomes Mahdi the religious leader um he's never ever really like maybe in in Dune Messiah a little bit does he lean into like the authoritarian like emperor role because he has to but like he struggles with it throughout the entire thing and like it gets to a point where a flip uh, a switch is just flipped and he's like roar um the fact that he again condense this is a con- condensing problem right instead of like, oh man because yeah. his pacing is so bad he is horrible at pacing a movie um it makes it slow, and then he tries to get overly complex with narrative, and it, it becomes hard to follow because you have no idea the real passage of time. And that's one of those things in 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 media that I do not like is when you don't when you they don't share the passage of time. Yeah, Game of Thrones, the last couple seasons, yeah. starting in season six, because again I'm I'm on my rewatch and I'm mid way through season seven. Yeah. I saw that issue, I don't know why, more than any other time in, in season six this time around, where it com- it takes you out for a minute, where yeah. you're, you're thinking about what they've done before to show the passage of time, to tell us a line here or there or something else. And with Dune, that's, that's the thing they really, when you're talking about his pacing, you're absolutely right. Again, I... One of the mo- one of my favorite movies of his, or my favorite movies of his, one of uh, I love um, Arrival. Sicario. Arrival. Did you say Sicario Sicario did you great. did you say Sicario wrong? No, Sicario was great. By yeah. the way, I love Sicario. Arrival. I I yeah. I keep I've hearing you say discussion. Sicario. Okay, <laughs> I've had this discussion with other people too. That you know, I I love I love the themes of that movie. Right. I love the visuals of the movie again. He, he has no problem with visuals. None. There are issues as much as I really, again, I can say I love this movie, but this movie has problems A, B, or C. Right. There is a pacing issue with that. Like, it seems like Sicario is the one, and I, I never saw Prisoners. I didn't see Enemy. I, I started watching Prisoners, but I never finished Pris- it. Prisoners is good, and again, but it, it, it struggles with the timeline because it's like this yeah. kid has been abducted and like, is it months? Is it years? Is it hours? You don't know. And with this one, they're trying to say that Jessica's pregnancy marked the passage of time, but like, right? They didn't show her like she was always in robes. <laughs> yeah, like there, there, there was very little of her like getting bigger and bigger and bigger uh, as you do through a pregnancy, and then, like, the, the- yeah. It was so. The fact weird. of the matter is, yeah. The fact of the matter is that they, 
took from the books of several something that took place over several years, three, three years, and they condensed it to something that took place over three, four, five months or six whatever. Months. Six months. Yeah, like whatever. Uh, well, yeah. all, again, I was trying to talking about how she looked. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't know, right? So, but that that does, well, and it, again, it changes the other funny fundamentally. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. It changes a lot fundamentally because what we're talking about with Paul, Paul loses a child in in this whole thing. Yes, Paul and Cheney lose a child. Yeah, they lose a child. And you can't tell me that wouldn't like that is a very important part of what goes on. Well, I mean, you can't tell me that's that's not an important to like as far as for a character right. development or a loss of a, a character to feel a loss like that and still have to do X, Y, and Z. And he knows but he's he just, going to lose the child. That's the thing. He makes a sacrifice of his firstborn child. It's, I I believe it's like a lot of these creators and filmmakers are what I think they were afraid of what that, again, it's not just the time crunch. It's fear. It's fear. It's fear. Yes. It's absolutely afraid of what will people think? Like he's a Tim Riggins. (laughs) I mean, he's a coward. He he'll steal a cripple's girl, but he definitely won't fight a cripple. But <laughs> sorry, um, everything's about it's Friday yeah. Night Lights. It, it all goes back to Friday Night Lights and Varsity Blues. Let's <laughs> let's 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 not mince words here. Um, no, but here's the thing: at, at the end of the day, Dune is a very complex story, and there are things you can definitely cut out. But there's things that he put in, um, like. He left out Count Finring, but he added Lady Finring uh, to yeah. seduce Fade. And that is something that's alluded to in the books. And then it's dropped because Fade is gone. And they're like, oh, well, we've secured the bloodline. Um, and it's like, great. Who gives a fuck? Like, that's not what's important. That wasn't the important thing that came out of that. It was the emperor understanding, like, if we have to, we can control this kid. And we know how, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't know that we know. So now we know. And, you know, it was just the, the other, the other thing is by not having, by having her just be Margot Fenring, um, instead of the lady to Count Fenring, who's a eunuch who, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they cuckled like in the book, they cuckled him and which I'm actually surprised that they didn't want to do that to a white man. Uh, That's Um, very, very surprising, you know, the way things are now, but, uh, but by by doing by by doing it that way, it's like okay, the, it made the Benny Jesuit look desperate, which is not what they were, because they had the intention throughout the entire thing. Is like Alia is born at this, like you know, by the time this happens with 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 Lady Finnering and things like that, um, you know, because because Paul and and Fade Roth are are about the same age, like. Alia's born. She's a little kid. And yeah. they're like, oh, well, mm-hmm. we'll just breed her with him. Like that, that's their that's their plan B because Jessica threw their plan A out the window and, and had a boy with Paul. Um, but the whole like Kwisat Haderach was thrown out the window for the most part. It's like kind of Jessica's like, 
forcing him into it rather than like trying to keep him away from it. And as he becomes more prescient, which I thought they did a horrible job with his prescience, um, Mm -hmm. like as he becomes more prescient, like he knows what he's going to do. And he, he knows the landmines he has to like miss, but with certain things that he does, like he makes the landmines that much worse. Um, you know, the other thing that's really important, the relationship with the relationship between Paul and uh, Jessica and Gurney Halleck is they cut out Gurney trying to kill Paul or sorry mm-hmm. to kill Jessica. Yeah. Jessica, um, yeah. Because <laughs> like Gurney believes that Jessica turned on, on Leto and the Atreides. Yeah. That's a, because yeah. he's been, you know, off being a smuggler. Uh, so that was, that was pretty bad. And, and I think, though, again, because he doesn't understand who the Fremen are and he looks at them as, like, an oppressed minority, even though they are the majority on the planet with population-wise, mm-hmm. um, he separated them into two groups, the northern progressives northern. and yes. the southern fundamentalists. Fundamentalists. And yeah. uh, Cheney was super racist, by the way. Like, oh, you can't tell by his accent? Fuck you. Yeah. Um, making Stilgar a simping, like, zealot, like, oh, the Lizan Al-Gaib, the Lizan Al-Gaib, oh, Lizan Al-Gaib, you know? It's like, one, they dropped that in the book, like, relatively quickly, when, it, especially when he became Usul. And, you know, it's just, he, they latched, he latched on to certain things that, that didn't hold the value that the, the other names, like the Mahdi, Mahdeep, you know? These these names meant far far more to the prophecy than the Lizan Al Gaib, mm-hmm. and and you know I thought it was interesting the other way too that they separated the men and the women as far as you know the men were the religious zealots and the women were the the Fadikin, which is a another term that they misused because the Fadikin were the Fremen warriors that Paul trained in the weirding way. And they became yeah, okay. yeah. they became the group that the Sardaukar, the Emperor's Sardaukar feared. Feared, yeah. Feared. Um yes. and Seleucus Segundus was a paradise in the movie, and it was anything but that. And then lastly, Erelon, who's actually one of my favorite characters in the book because she is the most flawed character that is there, because she has so many conflicting priorities. Um that she has to decide to do what's right for herself, to do what's right for the universe, and to do what's right for the eventual children that Paul and Cheney will have. Mm-hmm. Um, they like she was made fun of by every Benny Gesserit because she was so bad at being a Benny Gesserit that she they were like, oh, she's just a note taker essentially. Um, she's just the secretary. And in this one, it was like, she's the greatest Bene Gesserit that has existed in 10,000 years. She is the the orange Catholic Bible, Bible personified. And it's like, no, no. Like, like she's so much, she's, she's such a more sympathetic character when her dad is constantly telling her she wishes he was a man and that he wishes Paul was his son. That, like, mm-hmm. even though, like, Paul is like, you know, trying to take them down he's like oh but for a son like paul atreides you know um and then she's the one who's like i'll do it i'll marry you and it's like well no one asked yet (laughs) yeah 
Oh, and speaking of the Emperor, I love Christopher Walken, but there, there was nothing when we were talking about Azula and yeah. a personification oh, yeah. of a character. Yeah. There was nothing that personified him as the ruler of the universe. You mean Sh Sh Shaddam Biden? <laughs> yeah, and, and just watching, I was just watching a clip of the original. Yeah. The fight between Fade and uh, Paul. Wait, like, what original? Are you talking about the, the sci fi one the or 19, the 1984? The 1984 okay. with Sting. I yeah. will kill him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But looking at the guy that played the emperor in mm -hmm. that, the regality and strength yeah. and gravitas that he had just right. standing oh, there yeah. versus Christ Christopher Walken who looked like a broken old man. Right. Yeah. And um. so, again, I love Christopher Walken, but I, I just I did not like him in this role or how, or how they portrayed this emperor in this role and right. i told you would and this is surprising and, and i'll go over one of the things some of the things why yeah. i think i what captivated me i said i told you i thought this was again going back to what i said about the avatar live action mm -hmm. i was i don't know why but i was able to look at this one more as its own thing than I did the first one. Because mm -hmm. I did like this. I definitely absolutely like this more than the first one. It wasn't about pacing because it had the same pacing issues. But I but I was able to and I wasn't trying to do this either. That's the thing. I wasn't right. trying to like put away what I know about the books. You weren't trying were to hurt me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I told you I said I thought, you know, if, if this was its own thing, I I similar to what I just said about Arrival, because right. I loved Arrival, and Arrival had some issues in, in and of itself, but I still loved it. I would have really liked this, and if this was its own thing, I probably would have given it a 7.5 plus. So, As so okay. Dune I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll agree with that, right? And, and I'm going to use another analogy that I like to use for this. Angley's Hulk movie. If you just change the CG of the Hulk... To just mm -hmm. generic monster number one. Right. And you take out, you change the names from Bruce Banner or whatever. It's like, oh, this is a ripoff of the Hulk, right? But it's like, this is a cool it's movie awesome. because it's its yeah. own thing. And the whole thing about like his dad experimenting on him and stuff with Nick Nolte and all that Nick Nolte stuff and that even that weird Nick Nolte monologue makes so much yeah. more sense if it's not the Incredible Hulk. If this You're was absolutely right. Yeah. If this was called like Grains of Sand or like spice, you know, or, or, or something, you know, like, but not Dune. Yeah. And you'd be it, like, it's a rip off of Dune. I'm going to be like, wow, why? But, but so is game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Right. That's another thing I've seen, like watching it again is I absolutely see that as far as game of Thrones versus Dune. Yeah. And, and the I fact mean, that they've, yeah. George, George like, R. R. Martin stole a lot. Yes. Just, you know, I mean, it's it's borderline plagiarism. You know? Yeah, no, um, it is. But uh, although he did say he 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 based Game of Thrones on the War of the Five Kings or something, and mm, actually yeah. historical Dude. the War of the Roses or something like that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, Dude. <laughs> so you spelled Dune wrong. Anyway, um, I mean, it's the same story. Ned Stark is Leto Atreides. He's a very popular great house lord mm -hmm. who 
has to die because the people will rally around him if given the chance. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is. It's yeah. So going I, back to what I said, I, yeah. in that regard, I thought it was good, even with its issues. But I also said, conversely, as a Dune adaptation, this is not good. No. And how do I get the six? Is I was I I don't know I married the two together yeah. because if I'm just looking at this as a Dune adaptation, I would absolutely have it as a four. I'm never going to be able to look at anything that has Dune attached to it as anything other than an adaptation. Yeah, and like again, you know, and, and here's the sad thing: is the Sci-Fi Channel one, which is like six or eight hours long, whatever it is. I still like, need to watch that. It is far and away my favorite adaptation of, of Dune mm -hmm. um, because like, yeah, they make changes too and they take some liberties and, and stuff like that. But when it comes to and you know, I mean, it's a cheesy sci-fi movie, right? But mm -hmm. it, it shows a reverence of respect, um, you know, and in to the characters, to the story, to, you know, what, what it means to be, a messiah figure what it means to be the mother of a messiah figure and you know you, they've got the the sins of our fathers and the sins of our mothers come back to haunt us and the the way the way villanuevo tells stories like he doesn't understand the hero's journey first and foremost um because i don't think he believes in heroes he just well, believes in villains well i will say this about him with that he actually said that, uh, and he's getting this from what Frank Herbert said about Paul yeah. and Paul not, and this is the thing. He even said that he made changes with the Cheney thing mm -hmm. in the, at the end to kind of get that point across that Paul's not, not the hero but, or whatever, which is. No, it's right. Dude, it's. So, but here, here's the thing. You're, you're missing. It's Cheney is not the person who brings Paul down. Like, because mm -hmm. that's where this is going. If there's a third movie, Cheney is going to be the one to rally against Paul. Right. Mm -hmm. Paul brings Paul down because Paul realizes he has to destroy the idea of Moadib and he can't be assassinated. He can't just quit. He has to, you know, legitimately get to the point where like everyone thinks oh he's no longer look he's he's fallible he's human he's lost his powers you know paul never once loses his ability to see um once he loses his eyes in 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 the subsequent stories he he still has this massive power that he suppresses because he he's he has to destroy the thing that was created in his name and Cheney is part of the reason the Batlarian Jihad did not happen faster because she helped Paul stay grounded in the present without losing time to the future and the past with the past and future lives that he has access to. Mm -hmm. And so having Cheney abandon him and, you know, the whole idea that like, oh, she's just going to grab this sandworm. And you notice her sandworm was in front of his sandworm in the vanguard and everything. It was just like, yeah. okay, this is enough. Um, the worst part of this movie is Zendaya. 
not just because of the way Cheney is written, but the way she acts. And, you know, there is no difference between her and MJ from Spider-Man in this. It's the, you know, the angry, I'm better than everyone, and I just have to continually prove it. Um, yeah. And I have to mouth off at every chance I get. Like, Gurney pulling her down repeatedly was cringe as fuck because she should have been up there standing behind Paul where she doesn't have to kneel, where she's there because she's the one who's helping him stay grounded in the present. It's, it's, it's the, the fallacy that you to being a strong independent woman or strong and independent in general, you have to always speak up and you have to always have yourself hurt when sometimes being strong is being, is being behind someone as a support or not just spouting off what you you're thinking in front of everyone. Right. And having you know having the emotional intelligence to say okay this is not the time for me to say this in front of everyone you know what when it's the time when we're alone it's one of the things where um one of the few times i actually like daenerys is when you know in season three i believe it's season three and when she said she's going to give up one of her dragons mm -hmm. for the unsullied right and jorah um questions her in front of the in front of everyone right and she afterwards she says you question me again in front of these people or in front of people like this yeah my people i'm going to send you on your way yeah on your way again there is a time and a place to have yourself heard it's not just because and again that's that's a lack of emotional maturity thinking that just because you're feeling a certain way you have to always say what you're feeling at right. that time especially when you're talking about a situation as what we have with paul and dune and the fremen and all this and in when you're talking about leadership right you can absolutely disagree and you can absolutely you know express your disagreement with paul or express your disagreement with your whoever this person is you're you know you have a relationship with it's just not the time to do it in front of everyone that's the thing and that's where people get this fallacy. That's, you know, you're strong when you stand up for yourself. You know what? You're also strong when you know when when you when you can read the room and understand this is not the time right. to say this. Right. And that's what a lot of of writers get wrong and yeah. don't understand. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. I, I just I, you know, again, like, did we need to see the Fremen spice orgy? No, we didn't. Um, did did we need to see, you know, um, just some of the other, like, you know, Frank Herbert minutia that's in the book? No. Um, I thought, like, they handled the the stuff with the with the smugglers when, when Gurney is brought back into the story. That was handled really, really well. Um, mm -hmm. I think Paul learning to ride the worm was, was handled really, really well. I love that scene, um, I, by the way. Yeah, it was great. But they also like, you know, the, the whole like, oh, talk to me, Jameis. It's like, okay, Maverick, you know, <laughs> are you going to throw Jameis's Chris knife into the, uh, into the sand sea from, from a worm? Like as everybody, as someone else is driving it, like, you know, it, it was just like, talk to me, goose. 
you know? Oh. Like I half and, expected him to say it when he was like driving the sandworm towards Eric Keane at the end. Oh, by the way, when you were talking about Paul's prescience and then yeah. not getting caught up in the past and future, yeah. hello, Brandon Stark. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but at least Brandon Stark had an old creepy man who was grown into a tree to keep him. <laughs> oh, George R. R. Martin is a creep. Um, anyway. Yeah, I, I just, here's, here's the thing. There, there's a lot of things that they could have done differently. There's a lot of things that they could have just not done. Um, at, at the end of the day, they're, I think the cast looked like they were supposed to look. Dune looks like it's supposed to look. Um, Hans Zimmer's score is like amazing. Uh, Greg Fraser, who is the cinematographer, he also did Rogue One, by the way, um, did an amazing job with Dune um, and the planet of Dune, Arrakis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, this movie is beautiful. This movie, it, 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 it should be seen. If you're going to go see it, see it on the big screen, okay? The, the other thing to, to take into account, though, is this movie is indicative of modern cinema storytelling. Style over substance every time. And that is Denny's hallmark. You look at, at uh, Blade Runner 2049. That movie is hot garbage, but it's beautiful garbage. I will disagree with that, the hot garbage part. Well, Blade Runner was hot garbage too, so yeah, well, don't worry. I mean, yeah. like, I'm so, right there. Yeah. You, you're, um, well, you're being I, consistent I'm, with that. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's the thing. Uh, this movie was supposed to have a $165 million budget. It came in at $190. Um, and, and I'm going to echo something I heard Chris Gore say. The Marvel people, the Disney people should look at this and be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely. They went $25 million over budget. And again, every ounce of that $25 million makes this movie look amazing. I mean, what were we talking about before we went to go see it when we were talking about the original and how people say this is a masterpiece? Yeah. What you said, it's breathtaking. Breathtaking. Watching just... Just watching, you know, some of the 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 uh, just the shots they get. Yeah. Not not even not just which are that's fabulous. Yeah, that's absolutely fabulous. Especially when Paul's wrangling one. Mm-hmm. That scene is incredible. And but not even just that, but just when you see the landscapes and and. It's so there's so much thought and creativity and love yes. put into those specific scenes. I cannot. There's nothing. I I had no issues with that. Scene, and, and you're absolutely right. And Chris Gore is right. Yeah. You the, should be ashamed, Marvel. The scene that where they're where, getting this out of an. Yeah. The scene where they're sitting on top of the one sand dune and they're looking out over just infinite sand. Right. And, you know, he's thinking, I hate sand. It's coarse. It gets everywhere. <laughs> um, but no, when, when, when they're over, when they're out overlooking it and he's like inundated with spice and, and like he's fighting off visions and she's just holding him and they're holding each other really. 
that was beautiful. The scene where he, <laughs> where he finally like pulls up the mantle of Moadib and he stands up and holds the Chris knife above that, like that scenes in the trailer, that scene is not done justice on anything other than a massive movie screen. Yeah. Um, and it's, this is a reminder it, it, despite its flaws and like from a visual perspective, this is a reminder of yeah. why as good as our, you know, our TVs have become, yeah. they're not going to be able to capture the, the yeah. magnitude of a movie made like this. Yep. It's just not. Yeah. So. And as much as I say, Hey, I'd rather watch something on TV, a, sh- a movie like this, you are not going to get the experience right. if you don't see it on a big screen. Right. You're just not it, like, there's no way you're going to get the same experience. You're right. just not. So, um, but yeah, I mean, when looking at it, you know, we're looking at what, like a two hour, 30 minute movie or whatever it was, 246, it was 246. So like combined, um, it was, uh, the first one was, um, 155 minutes. This one was 166. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, this movie easily could have been a half hour shorter, um, and, and done a better job. Um, if you, you well, okay, pacing yeah. up. So, well, uh, I, I would say though, it, it, if you're going to use that I time, use the time. Is I was, what I'm trying exactly. To say. I was just yeah. going to say that you would have, you would have been able to let parts breathe and not make all of this stuff happen within six months or yeah. whatever it was. I, yeah. I, and, you know, you had to, like, you have to go back and you have to add baby Lado's death. You have to go back and you have to have all you being yes. born because here's yes. the thing. All you killing the Baron with the Atreides Ganjabar is what leads to her abomination. And when when Lady Helen Gaim Bahamas, whatever the fuck, the Reverend Mother, um, she calls Paul abomination when he uses voice on her. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, bitch, you have no fucking clue what's coming. Yeah. So which again, that was another great scene. But, yeah. How she's quiet yeah so. and and it, again we've talked all about the you know, the visuals like that's the thing we yeah. we're locking st- like it's just it's it's oh it's, we we haven't talked about the best fabulous. part about this movie by the way yeah yeah go ahead austin butler absolutely yeah he, he he's great he is, he is again yeah fantastic talk about it, gravitas it just, yeah so um, I, I, the, I feel like the Harkonnens got more, God, we're already over an hour. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> we're at an hour and 10 right now. Okay. So the Harkonnens got way, way more shine than the Atreides did at any point in these two movies. Um, mm-hmm. Gady prime was one of the coolest parts of either of these two movies. The fact that it looked like it was shot in black and white because they're all super pale and bald and wear black leather and latex and uh, armor um, was stunning. Uh, I like the fireworks that were like kind of like water explosions, but you know, it it was just really, it was like stunning and breathtaking and terrifying all at the same time. Um, fade 
Fate is a very interesting character in the book. Fate has no remorse. Fate has, he's all ego. He's all sexuality. He's all, you know, death and violence. But he's never about mayhem, which is the really cool thing to see. Um, they used him too much, though. See, that's where I know where you're, why you're saying that, and I get that. For me, it's two things. I think for me, they used him just enough. But also, if he, if this, again, going back to if this wasn't Dune, mm -hmm. he was, he, he did such a good job. You yeah. almost want to see more, even though from a story perspective, it makes sense and it has to be that way. Yeah. It's like, damn, I want to see him more just because he did such a good job. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's, he was just fantastic. Yep. And he, I, I would, I, you know, I, I thought the acting for the most part was very good. Mm hmm despite some of the changes in some of the characters like Stilgar. Cause I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, in the beginning I loved Javier Bardem and, and I liked him throughout. Yeah. I just didn't like how they oh, continually uh, Gary from nerd erotics said Javier Bardem should win the Oscar wrong, wrong, wrong. I don't think so. He shouldn't I, well, even, he should, he's not even the best supporting actor in this movie, let alone, right. you yeah. know, the best supporting actor overall. Austin Butler. Um, Anyway. Oh, Austin Butler is yeah, and watching him in Masters of the Air, he's great in that yeah. too. So he's great in Elvis in the the one. I'm really looking forward to the one with him and Tom Hardy. That's the like Sons of Anarchy in the '50s. Um, but because <laughs> it's motorcycle gang who runs guns and sells drugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I thought I thought he was really the highlight of the film, and like. The, the fight with, with him and, and Paul at the end, um, I was really disappointed he didn't try and cheat because that's what he does. And and they kind of left that out a little bit. Um, yeah. It's, and again, like I said, out watching the yeah. 1984 version with, with Sting and yeah. he has the like the blade and mm -hmm. like from his, you know, his body. His codpiece. Yeah. Yeah. His codpiece. Yeah. So. I don't. I also kind of felt it disturbing that 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 Paul always fought in his still suit, and it's like that's like the most Wait. important thing you have to survive in the desert. Like, yeah, we talked about that in the yeah, first one. I know the first it's one. Just even like you know, and Paul getting stabbed um, was dumb. Like, like again, there's no weirding way. <laughs> there's like. They they keep talking about like oh he's been trained as a male Bene Gesserit he is he is an abomination upon our religion and mm -hmm. blah 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 and at, at the end of it's, the day it's like show him having the powers um you know the uh, Lady Fenring having Fade put his hand in the box was stupid like that scene should have been cut out mm -hmm. yeah and like you're saying. It, watching again watching it's more fascinating mm -hmm. or it's more for his character of being the lisa al gaib or right. or being more deep it, it's it takes away some of his mystique the fact that he gets stabbed yeah, actually right. if you think about that right like the like he's not at the point yet where he's got to appear to be weak right so i don't know i think you know what would have been cool though 
is if you do that, show off his Benny Jesuit power because they have total control out of every cell in their body and have him just right. pull the knife out and then watch it heal. Like that would have been kind of cool. Like to be a hundred percent honest, like I'm like, fuck yeah, that's, that's, that's like, if you want to change things, do shit like that. Like these are super powered beings, like because of the spice, they, it's not just giving you blue eyes. You live for a really long time. Um, yeah, you have this training, you can control every molecule in your body and like shift out of the way. So like you have speed, you have agility, you have all this extra stuff. Um, the second best part of the movie though was Timmy, Sh- Timothy Chalamet's hair. Can we just agree on that? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's glorious. Flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and, and I will admit, I, I wasn't sure I was going to be sold on him being as well as he did in the first one, as mm-hmm. much as I liked him in the first one, the parts where he had to show, you know, command and leadership. I just wasn't sure he was going to be able to do it. I, I, cause again, I don't, I haven't seen him a lot yeah. and stuff. I, even though he's been in stuff, I haven't seen him. So that was one of the things I wasn't sure of. And when he made his speeches and stuff, I, I, I believed it. So I liked how he I had a little bit of a Southern draw too when he talked <laughs> like, no, I, I mean like it was, it was really interesting. Like, cause you know, he kind of had, he like, you know, like kind of like Josh Brolin has that little Southern like gravelly, right. like, you know, uh, the young pup. Like, you know, he, he was like, he had that and like fades accent, like Austin Butler's like, you know, accent that he used was really cool. And, uh, I, I missed him trying to assassinate the Baron over and over again. That was, that was oh, really yeah. missing as well. Yeah. But all right. Uh, I, here's the thing. I'm still going to buy this fucking movie when it comes out. And I'm definitely going to watch I'm, it again. So I'm absolutely getting this Blu-ray. I might go see it in the theater again. I don't know. Like, it's beautiful. It just pisses me off because they didn't, you know. You're confused, basically. It's like I want to go watch it because it's what Dune should look like. And I don't want to watch it because it was Villain Away or Velenude, however yeah, you say it, it's yeah, it, fucking it's, name, asshole. Again, I find <laughs> myself in that. <laughs> There's so many people that, like, I listen online, do the same thing with his yeah. name. So, Velenude. It, I think it's, it's Velenude. I'm in that middle. Denis Velenude. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that category, in that mi- middle aspect yeah. of seeing it as a, just a beautiful movie and yeah. a story, a unique story. Versus what I know that it is still beautiful, but yeah. it's a Dune story and it's not done like I would want a Dune story right. to be. Right. It's just, right. I'm, so I'm in that middle. Yeah. So. I, I'll just say this. I, I, I started to watch Gary from Nerdrotic talking about it and he was like, I love this movie. This movie's great. And I've never read Dune and I don't intend to, but this movie's awesome. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm done. I just unsubscribed from you. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't actually unsubscribe, but I was, I just immediately stopped watching. I was like, yeah, I, your opinion means literally less than nothing to me at this point. So. Well, in, yeah, it's, that's good for people who haven't read the book. Right. Yeah, probably. Sure. Um, if you haven't read the book, just listen to the audiobook. It, it's a hard book to actually like sit down and read. Um, you know, if you're not in that mindset, but anyway, all right. Thank you all for listening. Um, this has been the Infus podcast. Uh, <laughs> 
I'm gonna go. Went a little bit over. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pull a Haley and I'm gonna go curl up in a ball and complain about my brain <laughs> being broken right now. So God, it was. I, I should have recorded her reactions and posted them online. Oh, dude, she was like, "It's breaking my brain. Why are they doing this? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> Stop making me watch this." I told her I was gonna clockwork orange her and like keep her eyes open and make her watch all eight episodes <laughs> without a break. Anyway, all right. On that note, thank you all for listening. We will be back next week. Um, maybe we're gonna talk about Masters of the Air finally. I don't know. I think we're gonna wait till it's done. But um, I, say, I don't think yeah. it's done for a couple more weeks. Right? Oh, we're gonna talk about Shogun next week. So, yeah, oh. yeah, sweet. That's right. All right, later. See ya. The Infamous Podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. This show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Infamous Podcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash infamous podcast. We have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear. Music for this podcast is provided by Michael Henry from meetmichaelhenry.com. So whenever you're listening to us, have a great day, night, evening, weekend, whenever it is, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>